Our Father, we worship you today. We praise you for your goodness to us. May you bless all that's said and done in your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And could I have the red mic once again? I pulled a little switcheroo on Jim, and uh, he was going to have a video, and I asked him just to give a verbal testimony. And Christina has a great ministry. And Christina, I want you to come and share what you do alongside uh, your husband's ministry as well. Good morning. Um, I am uh, Jim Foster's better half. (laughs) So sometimes he forgets all about me, but that's okay. I'm here to share a little bit about what I uh, do in South Africa. He's the principal of the uh, Good Hope Christian School that we do have um, an amazing ministry there with. But um, as a wife and a mother of two girls, I was looking for a ministry. And um, when I was first born, um, I was actually born dying. And so I have a lot of um, different health issues growing up. And I was really searching for a ministry that God would give me personally that would be something that um, I could pour my whole heart into. And he gave me that in a organization here in the States that some of you might have heard of. It's called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And I got my master's in portrait art and photography um, as we were over in South Africa. And so using that background in photography, I had started the ministry and took Good Hope, um, I'm sorry, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I took that organization to South Africa and opened up the first chapter there in Cape Town where we started um, in one hospital doing remembrance photography for terminally ill and stillborn babies for those families who have lost children. And so I took what I had and I started in one hospital and then I asked for more volunteers and now I am, um, it's neat to see how it has expanded over, now we're in every major hospital in, in, um, in South Africa, and the hospitals have actually taken it as part of their bereavement protocol. So it's been a real blessing to be able to serve the families in that way and share my testimony, and has given me an open door to be able to minister to people who are hurting and grieving and other moms who I very well could have been one of those children. Um, on those babies, but um, God has instead given me a ministry to those mothers and to those families. So I have um, a little bit of um, that story of of my story in a book that I was um, privileged to be collaborating with. I have several of those books on the back table if you're interested in learning more about that, but um, I just wanted to share that with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. God bless you. All right, boys and girls of First Baptist Church, come on down. Boys and girls, come on up here for a lesson before your lesson. And while they're coming, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for the rest of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We have some super important young men and young women headed this way right now. And they look like they're all coming down this aisle. Nobody over here? Okay, all right. Come on down here, right in the front. Make sure you can see the screen. How many of you can see the screen? Can you see the screen? Can you all see the screen? Come on over here, buddy. Noah, come on over. Yeah. All right. We got a video. I want you to watch this video, first of all, okay? Right up here.
creation. In the beginning, God created everything. On the first day, he said, let there be light. On the second day, God made the sky. On the third day, God made the oceans and the land. He also made the grass and plants and trees to grow. On the fourth day, God made the sun and moon and stars. On the fifth day, God made birds and all the creatures that live in the sea. On the sixth day, God made all the animals on the earth. He also made Adam and Eve, the first people. God looked at what he had made. It was a good new world. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. His creation was finished. So boys and girls, how many of you would have liked to have been in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, would that have been fun? How many like tigers? Did you see Eve, was she was petting a tiger and hugging? How many like to hug a tiger? Yeah, yeah. My daughter went to a place that had wild lions and tigers, and she was able to go inside and sit on top of one. She was crazy. I trust God, but I would never do something that dumb. But it was pretty cool. She loved on that tiger a lot. She really enjoyed it. So you know what? God is our creator. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? Hmm? Somebody tell me. Yeah. That he made us. He made every one of us. He made all the birds. He made the goose that was out in the outfield. He, he made... <laughs> What? He did. He made, he made all of the animals, the horses and the cows and, and the bears and the, and the duck-billed platypuses and, and the hummingbirds and the eagles. He made all of that and he made us. He's our creator. But guess what else he is? Guess what else he is? He is God. That's right. And he is our heavenly what? Father. Father. That's right. Let's give her a hand. All right. That's good. So what's, what, does anybody know another language besides English that, and you know what father is in another language? Anybody know that? Does anybody know that? What is, what, what is it? Padres. So in the grand scheme of things that the Lord would do, we have a bunch of balls that we're going to give to you in honor of Padres, but remembering that our real Padre our heavenly padre is God in heaven. So these balls bounce and they light up just like God is the light of the world. Father, bless these boys and girls. God, lead them to know you and to serve you, to love you all their lives. And we'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and get a ball and go to your class and have a ball. And Tuesday night, we'll see what happens, right? Okay. <laughs> Last week I spoke to you for the first time on the title, Father, in the unique sense of the use of the word. It's a simple title, simple, simple title, Father. It's, it, we all understand that, but it's one packed with information and implication. The Lord willing, 
I'm going to preach on the same title, Father, not only last week and this week, but next week too, uh, the Lord willing. Before I move on to specific New Testament names found in the Word of God, some of which are in Greek, some of which are in Aramaic, uh, so we'll be doing that. Um, but last week, we emphasized the meanings of the word Father, the metaphors of the word Father, and the mentions of the title Father in the Scriptures. Now, I don't think I shared this with you, but in the Gospel of Matthew, the word Father is found 44 times. In Mark, it's found five times. In Luke, 17 times. But in the Gospel of John, 122 times. And may I remind you all that we believe that God inspired all of the authors of the New Testament and the Old Testament. All of the writers were uh, supernaturally moved upon. The, the, the picture there is like a, a ship on the water with the sails billowing and the Holy Spirit <sighs> exhaling and giving them that wind, moving them so that they wrote exactly what God wanted them to, to write. We believe in the inspiration of the Word of God. When we... When we breathe, the ins it's the inspiration of the Word of God, God's inspiration. More than human inspiration, it's not that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, all those guys were exceptional authors. Um, they may have been or may not have been, but the Holy Spirit of God caused them to write using their temperaments, their personalities, their background experiences to write exactly and record exactly what he wanted them to record. That's the doctrine of the verbal plenary inspiration of the Word of God in a nutshell. Now, uh, in the Gospel of John, it's no accident then that the, the name Father occurs 122 times, a lot more emphasis. So let's look at some of the distinguishing uses of the title Father Day, see if we can uh, find some reason maybe why John uh, did that. The, first of all, there's a Father, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What agreement has the temple of God? Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we've been saved, We've been born again. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. So therefore, our body becomes the temple of the Holy God doesn't live in this church building. God lives in your temple and my temple as we have been born again. So what agreement, what consensual affiliation, what pact joining is there between the temple of God and idols? And he's drawing a con. There shouldn't be one is what he's saying. For the, you are the temple of the living God, and as God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among who? The ones who are not the temples of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the ones who are unsaved, unbelievers, and be ye separate, which means well-defined or distinct from, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be what? A father. I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 has to do uh, with the doctrine of uh, separation, for, as, for one thing. And, and prior to these verses, Paul tells us we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship 
has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion have light with darkness? What concord have Christ or agreement have Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So it says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In the next slide, you'll see something that has uh, a lot of significance to me. Now, this may not look like much to you. It may look like some old piece of, uh, you know, whatever. Some of you probably don't know what it is. My father and his brother, when they were little kids, had two little calves. And they took those two little calves and they made a yoke for them. And this is what the yoke looks like. This is it. This is the actual yoke. It's in my attic. And uh, it, it, it's been around for uh, a long time. And uh, they, would, they would put the yoke on there. And then the eyelets and so on, uh, they would put to a wagon. And it would pull a little wagon around. So the, the calves had to work in unison. If one of them was going to go this way and one would go that way, it's not going to work. So the yoke would keep them hooked together so that they were on kind of an equal footing, an equal basis. And Paul specifically using this agricultural reference says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And this would refer obviously to marriage. You who are single, you shouldn't be, I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't be dating people who are not Christians. And furthermore, to be not unequally yoked together, you should not be dating people who are not spiritual if you are spiritual. Now, if you're carnal, go ahead and date someone carnal, I guess. You'd be, on, you'd be equally yoked anyhow, but <laughs> it'd be better to go ahead and get spiritual and then look for someone who also is spiritual. So be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I cannot tell you the amount of heartache and heartbreak through the years, last 50 years of ministry that I've heard about because... Um, Usually, it's, it's a, a, a lady who thinks, I can change him. I can change. Ladies, when he's dating, he's on his best behavior. It only goes downhill from there. So, I mean, he's on his best behavior. So, you, I think I can change him. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. So, you know, let the Lord change him. Let the Lord be the one who changes, not uh, not you, uh, but the Lord. So be not unlooking together in your dating and certainly in your marriage. In fact, uh, if, if I know, now, this is going to sound really cruel to some of you probably, but if I know someone, uh, a couple that's come to me for marriage, one of them saved, one of them's not, one of them's a Christian, one of them's not, I won't perform the marriage because it's in violation of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You both need to be believed. Let me tell you something. Life is tough enough without marrying someone who has a whole different foundational belief system than you do. If yours is a Christian, um, uh, what am I thinking of? Christian um, lifestyle, and, and, and uh, I can't think of what the word is right now, but if yours is that way and theirs is the world's, then you're going to have all kinds of conflict that you wouldn't otherwise have. This also refers to businesses where there's a 50-50 partnership. You should not be in a 50-50 partnership with an unbeliever. If you're a believer, you should not be. Um, you say, well, is there any, you know, I don't know. Maybe you go 51-49 or, or some other percentage, but you should not be in a 50-50. Here's the thing. If, if they're not walking with the Lord and if they incur God's wrath over something and God disciplines them, it also affects who? You. Because you're in business in a co-equal relationship with someone that God is chastising or correcting or disciplining. 
So don't be in a 50-50% uh, business. This would also refer to worship of the true God as opposed to idolatry. We have, there's no place, there's no place for just a little bit of heresy in the church of Jesus Christ. No place for it. Uh, God is God. There's only one way. There's, that's one reason this, uh, I, I'm not able to fellowship with uh, most ecumenical boards because uh, they are infiltrated with clergy who do not even necessarily believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior or the Son of God or the only way of salvation. So I cannot be in an equal relationship with them. I can't do that because it would be in violation of this. So herein for us is, in this reference, is relationship, presence, and separation. Relationship, presence, and separation. By the way, if you're interested, the citation in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 combines Isaiah 52, 11 with Ezekiel 20, 34. I don't know if that's up there or not. Probably not. That's a, that's a yoke. That's a bad yoke, but it's a yoke, okay? <laughs> Deuteronomy 32, 18, 19 are joined together and 2 Samuel 7 in the 18th verse of, of chapter 6. I'll tell you that later if you want to know. Hebrews 1, 5 for unto which of the angels says he at any time, you are my son? Does he say that? Does he go to Gabriel and say, you're my son? Does he go to Michael, the archangel, and say, you're my son? No, that's right. That's exactly right. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right. Good. He says, have, this day have I begotten you? No. And again, I will be unto him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. So in these references, we find out that God is a father to us who are born again, whose bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is a father to the only begotten son, not created sons of God, but the only begotten son of God. So that's God, a father. And then secondly, God, the father. In 2 Timothy 1, 2, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Paul writes, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter says the same thing, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from, from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the Father talks of exclusive, uh, an exclusive relationship. He is the Father. There are not many fathers. He is the father. We're to have no other fathers in, in a spiritual sense, in an, a sense of worshiping and, and, and expecting someone to provide for us and so on in that, in that spiritual way. God is the father. Thirdly, God is our father. Ephesians 1, 2, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing to the church a local church located there in the city of Ephesus. And he's saying to those who are born again, temples of almighty God, uh, you're saved, I'm saved. He therefore is our father. This is authorized by, or authored brother by Paul to Ephesus. And as our father, he is our, he becomes our commonwealth. Uh, did you know Kentucky is a commonwealth? It's, it says that the commonwealth of Kentucky on their flag and on their state seal and so on. And the, the idea of commonwealth is a community of shared interests and beliefs. A commonwealth, shared interests and beliefs. And our confidence, he is our confidence. He is the one in whom we trust. And we share uh, as the body of Christ uh, interests and beliefs that are here 
together. You're not out doing something else this morning. We, we all here have thought, you know what, it's Sunday morning. I want to be in God's house. I, I have the opportunity. I have the privilege. I'm not prevented from worshiping God in the way that I see fit. I'm not, I'm not sick. I'm not ill. I'm not in the hospital room. I, I therefore can go. Well, you could have gone to the zoo. We went there once. Everybody wants to go again. It's like, whatever. They got a new animal. What? I, I was there once, like 55 years ago, whatever. It's, yeah. Uh, so, so you could have gone to the zoo. You could have gone fishing. You could have gone hunting. You could, there's a lot of different things you could have done, but you, you've determined because of shared interests and because of shared values and, uh, and that, that, that you would be in God's house. And so, uh, so he is our father uh, because of the commonwealth, because of, of our relationship together. Is he, he's my father. Is he yours? If he is, then he's our father. Number four, he's God and father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is, it's blessed be the God and father, not just father, but blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So Paul begins his letter to the uh, Ephesians by saying he is our father, and then he elaborates with the God and father of our Lord. Uh, he is the one, in other words, who, um, who blesses us. So he's not only our progenitor, our creator, as we told the kids about a little while ago, he's not only that, but he's also our God and father, the one that we worship and serve, and is he, he is our heavenly father. Number five, he's the father of mercies. Have you heard that term? If you've read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you've heard that term. Blessed be the God, even Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. If you have comfort today, it's because God's given you that comfort. If you have peace that passes all understanding, it's because God has given you that peace and uh, that passes all understanding. So here, the Father of mercies, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, we see God combined uh, as God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now, why is mercies in the plural? Father of mercies. Wouldn't merciful father suffice? Wouldn't father of mercy be enough? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that indicate the same thing? Well, the plural reveals him as merciful and plenteous in mercy. It's not just that God was merciful to me back in 1955. It's not just that he was merciful to me back in 2005. It's that Jesus and God, the Father, is merciful to me, and he's plenteous in that mercy so that he continuously uh, gives mercy to me. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundance in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 86, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon you. Aren't you glad that God is not just merciful one time, or ten times, or a hundred times, but has to his nature, he is plenteous in mercy. I need the mercy of God. I am thankful for the mercy of God. This promise then, the fact that he has unlimited mercies available to us should give us comfort for whatever trials we're enduring. 
And by the way, if you're not in a trial, you will be soon. I'm not a preacher of doom and gloom. I'm very optimistic. Uh, however, life uh, says, and the word of God says, that if we're born of woman, we're a few days and full of trouble. So unless you were born in some other way, you are a few days and full of trouble. And this world is under attack all the time. He's also, number six, father of spirits. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Talking about your natural dad or someone who stood in as your dad, maybe a grandfather, maybe an uncle, uh, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So the author here, whoever wrote Hebrews, is making a comparison between our earthly fathers and our heavenly father. And he's saying we respected and responded to our, heaven, to our earthly fathers, or at least we should have. We have it always, but we should have. So even more, we should respect and respond to the father of all spirits, the giver of all life. Now, the term and terminology, father of all spirits, is borrowed from the Old Testament. In Numbers 16, 22, they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? If one person messes up, are you going to punish all of us? Are you going to uh, make all of us pay for it? In Numbers 27, 16, the Lord said, The God of spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord shall not be a sheep which have no shepherd. God is the one who places shepherds. He placed Moses over Israel. He then placed Joshua over Israel. And he places pastors uh, as shepherds over congregations. And there's a, a tremendous responsibility for shepherds to be faithful, taking care of the sheep, and to not be abusive of them. He's the father of, all, of the spirits of all flesh. Number seven, he's the father of lights. This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, he casts light. Every good gift, every perfect gift, James says, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God's the Father of light. He's the Father of all the natural lights. He's the, he's the Father. He controls the sun. He controls the moon, the reflection of the light from the sun. He controls the other stars that are all suns burning in galaxies far away that he created by the power of his word, by speaking them into existence, creating them out of absolutely nothing. You say, preacher, that, you really believe that? Yeah, I really believe that. Well, you say, Hi, well, yeah. You say, I don't believe it. Well, what do you believe? You believe it came, where, how do you believe everything got here? Well, there's a big bang. What went bang? Well, all the stuff that was floating around, well, where did this stuff floating around come from? And what was it floating around in? Well, you got to have, I don't have enough faith to be an evolutionist. I've told you that before. I don't have enough faith to believe that all this, everything caught, because of an explosion, we have order. That's not what happens. Wouldn't it be great if you could go order, go down to Home Depot, order a pile of lumber and toilets and bathtubs and light fixtures and, and pull them up in a big pile and put a stick of dynamite underneath them and blow it up. And then you say, voila, four bedroom, two bath house. Wow, that's cool. That ain't the way it works, folks. Explosions don't cause order, but God does. 
God is not the author of confusion, but of order. And so God is the father of all natural light, the star, sun, stars, moon, all of that. He's also light in a metaphoric sense. He's the light of all reason. You know how you see these cartoons and this cartoon character has a good idea and a light bulb appears, comes on, bing. Well, God is the light. The Father is the light of all reason. He gives light to the law. His prophecy shines light on dark places. And this is a dark world. Our own president used the word um, Armageddon the other day. I, I don't know if he has a full understanding of what Armageddon is all about. But let me tell you something. Uh, it, without the prophecy of the word of Almighty God, it, it, there wouldn't be a lot of reason to be rejoicing today. Things aren't getting a whole lot better. The kingdom's not being ushered in. Uh, the tribulation is being ushered in. I mean, you know, oh, Putin's over there, you know, looking at this button. All he's got to do is push the button or whatever. He said, does that worry you, preacher? Nope. sooner he pushes the button, the sooner I'll be with the Lord in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I love, I go, I've told you this a hundred times, but I'm old, I forget, I tell you. So John Rice one time was preaching a series of meetings in Texas, and he was preaching against liquor and the liquor industry in general. And so he got outside one day, uh, one night after the service, after he preached, and someone stuck a gun in his ribs and said, you need to stop preaching about the liquor industry or I'm going to kill you. He says, what, you're going to threaten me with heaven? <laughs> Heaven's not a real big threat. Heaven's a, a wonderful place that the Bible talks about in glowing terms. So he, his prophecy shines light on otherwise dark places. The light of the gospel shines in a dark world. The preaching of the word of God gives light. I don't have the ability, but when in preaching the word of God, the word of God will not return what? Void or empty. It will accomplish the purpose that God has. And so uh, when, when I preach the word of God, if I'm faithful to preaching the word of God, the Holy Spirit turns light bulbs on in our brains all over the congregation and those watching by way of live streaming. And suddenly spiritual things make sense along with preaching and, and apostles and prophets and bishops and elders and martyrs and priests and other confessors of the faith. He'll show light, his light, to a lost and hopeless world. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. One of the President Bushes, I can't remember which one, talked about that, referenced that. God is the father of them all, the light of the world. The Lord, the psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I thought of it several years ago at the other church, Jim. Uh, I took, uh, took some staff and we went to Brooklyn to go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, which is amazing. Yeah. And so we, we went in Brooklyn Tabernacle. And if you've been there, you know, it's, it's like, where's the church? I don't see a church. There's a couple of little doors here. And you walk in and it's like, inside, it's, it's magnificent. It's incredible. And thousands of people worshiping the Lord. It's amazing. And I found out that Phillips, Craigs, and Dean were going to be there that afternoon for a free concert. And I'm like, yeah. So I said, let's just stick around the area here. I wasn't familiar with the subways that much. So I had my youth 
uh, no, he was my, at that point, he was my associate, Chuck Ream, my associate pastor, and his wife. And did you know Daniel Simpson, uh, our music guy? Daniel Simpson and his wife and my wife. I, is there anybody else? I don't know. It's my story, right? Okay. All right. She's like, whatever. I'm not sure where this is going. So, <clears throat> so we're there. And so I go to McDonald's and I'm standing. And there's lines. You know, there's like three or four lines and they're pretty deep. And so everybody's standing there. And this, I got to tell you, it looked like a gangster to me. Gang looking guy. I mean, just suffice it to say. He went, passed all the lines right up to the front. And it got the attention of one of the workers and said, I wanted to. And he placed an order. And, and a little grandma over in one of these lines said, son, you need to wait and get in the line. And I said, yeah. <laughs> so all I said was, yeah. Did he go for that five foot one grandma? No. He went for the preacher with a big mouth who said, yeah. <laughs> I'm standing there in line. His face is right here. All I can see is chrome teeth. Maybe they were stainless steel. I don't know. <laughs> and his eyeballs are right with my eyeballs. And I got my hand in my pocket, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's calling me all kinds of things that I'm not sure what they meant. And, and, and I thought, well, at least I got some guys behind me, right? I wonder how this is going to end. So I just stood there, just looked at him, had my hand in my pocket. He didn't know what I had in my pocket. I had chapstick in my pocket. <laughs> So finally he left. I turned around. My staff was gone. <laughs> they were like, man, we didn't know what was going down. We got out of there. <laughs> so, Thanks a lot. What did that have to do with anything? <clears throat> I don't know, but it, it, it was fun. The Lord, oh, I, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be? We don't have to walk around fearful and afraid of every little thing that might happen, could happen, possibly will happen, or that does happen. We don't have to worry about it. God is in control. He is the light. There's no need. By the way, this, my wife is not real, real thrilled with this prospect. In Revelation 21, 23, it says the city, the new Jerusalem, has no need of the sun, neither the moon. She loves sunsets. She loves sunsets. And she takes pictures of sunsets. She has several, I mean, hundreds of them on her phone. I'm certain of that. And, and yet in the city, the New Jerusalem, there'll be no need of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God does lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them who are saved shall walk in the light of it. God is light. God is light. And then last of all, number eight, he's the father of glory. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the God of glory. One of the commentators translated this way, the, the Father glory clad. The Father glory clad, clothed in glory. Now, we talk about the king of glory, the God of glory, the Lord of glory, but the father of glory means he is the incarnate deity in Christ Jesus. John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I hope I'm not 
parsing this a father, the father, our father. I hope I'm not parsing it too much and straining it. I just felt like that these variety of characteristics that define God, our father, needed to be shared with you all. And, and, and the way that they were used, the father can be your father if you're born again, in which case he will then be our father. Would you bow your heads, please? Is he your father? If Jesus Christ is your, your savior and, and God is your heavenly father and you know that, you've received him, you know that he's your God and he's your father. With every head bowed, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up real high. I know that preacher. I know he's my God. I know he's my father. I'm so comforted by that. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Is there someone who would say, preacher, I'm not real sure. I hope he is. I want him to be. I'd like for him to be. But I'm not real sure. I don't know for sure that he's my God and my Savior, and that Jesus is my Savior. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you. I won't come and point you out. I won't do anything. Just slip your hand up. Hold it up for a moment. Let me pray for you. Hold it up high. God bless you. Father, others. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We love you. Lord, we love you only because, only because you first loved us. Because in our hearts, there's nothing good except for what you've put there. Our hearts are continually, continuously evil. There's no good thing in them. We... Our righteousness are like filthy rags, but your righteousness is amazing and is plenteous in mercy and it's available to everyone here. So Lord, if someone here needs to put their faith in Jesus Christ right now as their Lord and Savior, may they turn to you in prayer and may we pray this prayer. And this is, if this is you, then I want you to pray this prayer to the Lord right now. Dear God, I want you to be my father. I believe that I'm a sinner and in need of forgiveness. Lord, I want to repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross, paid the price for my sin. And I want him to be my savior. I trust him right now. I trust him for eternal life. God save me. Every head still bowed for another moment. If you just prayed that prayer right now, first time, just prayed it. Hold your hand up real high. Uh, just a testimony. Preacher, I prayed that prayer right now. Hold it up real high. Father, we're so grateful, so thankful for how good you are to us all the time. Thank you for being our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? <clears throat> and as we stand, the our praise team is going to lead us in a verse, maybe a two, of an invitation. And I'll be down here. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Ryan, where are you? Back in the back over here? Where are you? Right back here. Ryan, why don't you step to the back? Rachel's in the back. Ryan's in the back. I'm down here. My wife's down here. Ladies, if you want to come have a lady pray with you and for you about something, you have a question you want to know, have answered, 
have a need, you want to receive Christ, we're here front and back as they lead us in a song. Come ahead right now. you could see what I'm getting to see right now. I mean, the expressions on the faces of God's people worshiping the Lord. I, I envy you raising your hands. I can't do that. I don't know what to, I've been Baptist too long. I get them, I get them about waist high and they get real heavy. I, I don't have any problem with you doing it. It is sweet. It is sweet to see God's people worshiping. I'll tell you what, love you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving God. And let's be dismissed in prayer. I'm going to ask Deborah if she would dismiss us in a word of prayer. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Amazing words. Um, Lord, you are. You are holy. You are good all the time. I just thank you for this church family. I thank you for a country where we can still um, gather together and worship in your name, Lord. And 
those times might be short, Lord. So I, I pray that every person here just just really treasure every moment that we have, that we have the freedom to do that. Um, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for all that you've done and just your glorious God. I pray that you would be with each person here as they go through the week. I pray that they would make every day a day to worship and glorify you, Lord. And I just pray um, safety for everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Change my mind. Mm -hmm.